You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Grizzlies podcast, Thursday edition of the show. Longtime guest, uh, not for, uh, it's been a while since we've had Joe Monix on, but Joe Monix, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues, joining me today. My former boss over at grizzlybearblues.com, a uh, great guy. Some pumping out articles left and right, even though it is uh, summertime, he does not care for your summer. <laughs> he pumps out Grizzlies articles left and right. Uh, what's going on, man? Man, I tell you what, yeah, I, I, summertime, what is summer? What What is off-season? I, I don't know what those <laughs> things are. I, it, it's probably to the detriment of my mental health, but um, no, it, it's it's been good. You know, it is kind of nice as Grizzlies and summer kind of settle in and their roster is for the most part set. You know, obviously Dwight Howard won't be around long term. Andre Iguodala probably won't be around long term. Ivan Rapp. You know, it looks like they're kind of settled into what they're going to be for the most part. So hopefully we get a month or two where it's a little bit quiet on the uh, the Beale Street front. It's it's interesting the the NBA now. It's just now that you say that, I know that I don't want to get off on a tangent, but it's interesting you say that. Like the NBA has done a, like, such a good job of being an all year round league now. Like it, it's very. Maybe August, you know, maybe there's like a month or two where it's, it's, it's pretty calm. But this league has done such a good job of, of stretching things out and, and doing different things to make it to where you and I have something to talk about all year, all year long. I mean, it, doesn't, it does help when your, your team makes a bunch of different trades. But it, it's interesting that you say that, that, that they we're still writing, talking about the Grizzlies in the middle of going now to the end of July um, and still have stuff to talk about constantly. So. Um, it's interesting, and it's been a while since we've had you on. I want to start with the most obvious thing, the, the Tyus Jones acquisition, uh, DeLon Wright trade, uh, and just get your thoughts on on just the, 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 the signing as a whole. I know, I think I know where you land on, but I really don't, where you land on letting DeLon Wright go in in lieu of Tyus Jones. Um, I, you obviously get some assets with, with that as well, but uh, – What's your take on just the signing of Tyus Jones in general? Well, I'm fascinated by all the different takes that folks have had about the uh, about the signing and the trade and all that because I think it's actually one of the better examples of, of Grizzlies media and Grizzlies Twitter and like it was a, a good debate. Like I think I tweeted about this at the time. You know, the idea that not everybody likes the, the switch of DeLon Wright to Tyus Jones. I think you're one of the ones who who wasn't as big on this move by the front office, but the argument against it was a rational one. You know what I mean? Like people logically argued for DeLon Wright and there wasn't like a bunch of people yelling at each other and cursing at each other and, and that sort of thing. And that was refreshing. You know, it, I think that it's easy to say one way or another in a vacuum that your take on the matter is correct, but there obviously is context and real world situations. I think DeLon Wright viewed himself in a way that the Grizzlies didn't see him. I think Dallas saw DeLon Wright as worth more to them than the Grizzlies saw DeLon Wright because of the John Morant selection. DeLon Wright probably wanted to be a starter. That wasn't going to happen with the Grizzlies, at least not as cleanly as it would in Dallas. And it it really kind of worked out for both teams in that Memphis got compensation for losing a player of the caliber of DeLon Wright because he is a good basketball player. And at the same time, Dallas was able to sign him to a cheaper price in terms of contract than maybe they would have had to do in restricted free agency to guarantee that Memphis wouldn't match, you know, maybe something along the lines of a three-year, 
$36 million contract, which for a starting point guard is decent business. That's not a bad deal if you view right in that manner, as Dallas probably did. But at the same time, that's too much for what Memphis was going to use him as, as a six-man at most reserve, you know, 16 to 18-minute-a-game guard at best. Uh, you know, that that's probably what his role was going to be, and that's too much. $12 million is too much for that. So they kind of helped each other out. The, the cost was low for Dallas and Memphis got a couple more assets, second-round picks out of it to negate some of the ones that they've lost in previous deals. As far as Tyus Jones, I'm not going to sit here and say that Tyus is definitively better than DeLon. I don't think that's necessarily accurate. I think DeLon Wright is a better, more complete offensive player in terms of finishing at the rim, getting to the basket, uh, getting fouled, and getting to the free throw line. They're comparable in terms of long-range shooting. Wright obviously has better size, so in theory he's more uh, personal. He can play multiple positions better than Tyus. But I do think that Jones fits the Grizzlies better than DeLon does, largely because of what I just mentioned, the fact that you know Tyus Jones sees himself in that reserve role, whereas DeLon probably didn't. Also, the, the age has been mentioned here, there, and everywhere. Tyus Jones is four years younger than DeLon Wright. He fits the window of time of the Grizzlies better than DeLon would. And I do believe that in terms of protecting possessions, you know, Chris Harrington of the Daily Memphian talked about this. Tyus Jones is very good at stealing the basketball, so taking away possessions from opponents. And he's also very good at protecting possessions for his own team. So that's another one of those little wrinkles that an analytically driven front office will emphasize. You, you want to protect the ball as much as possible. You want to prevent turnovers on your end, and you want to create them on the defensive side of the court. And Tyus Jones is good at both of those things. So he fits the Grizzlies where they want to go better, perhaps, than DeLon Wright did, even though I think you can make a fairly rational argument that DeLon Wright is the better player. Yeah, I mean, DeLon Wright is a better player. I mean, I think that's pretty pretty hands down. And I, and I you mentioned that I – and I have covered this on my show here now for a couple of days, you know, almost a week. But um, DeLon Wright – and the Tyus Jones thing isn't wrong, and that's what I said before. It's, it's not. It's not what I would have done. And Tyus Jones, it, it, it isn't a wrong thing to do. It's just different. And I think the biggest difference that will be made is how you come into the secondary guard position. That secondary, that that versatility you you mentioned about Delon Wright and what he's able to do, and the offensive, you know, scoring. Like Tyus Jones is is not an offensive offensive player at all. He's not. He's a non shooter. So that type of offense you're going to have to find from a different area, and you don't have to find it right now. And so I think long term will probably probably depend on what what Tyus Jones, you know, kind of how you view this. If you're able to go out and get uh, someone else that can pair with Tyus Jones, then it's not such a big deal. Um, but you had someone in a playmaker like Delon right now. I think that's probably why, for me anyway, that's why I think it's it's just different. It's not wrong. It's not bad. It's it's just different to me. A different way to approach it. And I think they have a plan. They have a that plan shakes out. Um, does it does it matter to you that Tyus is a non-shooter and he's going to be as of right now and see how it shakes out? But there's not a whole lot of playmakers on the wing there for the Grizzlies, and he is largely a player that sets people up. That is a who he is, is trying to get other people involved. Um, does it bother you in that second unit for the Grizzlies? There might not be a whole lot of people to get involved this year. It doesn't matter. In terms. In terms of percentages, I think he and DeLon Wright are pretty much the same in terms of shooting the basketball. Uh, so I, I think where your point is fair is DeLon Wright looks for his shot more than Tyus Jones does. 
And that well, that's, what he, that's what I'm saying is Ty Jones is not right. an offensive player. Right. He's not looking for it as much as DeLon would. So that either means somebody around Tyus, whether it's a Dylan Brooks, a Jay Crowder, you know, whoever it is, is going to have to be in that spot to be more aggressive offensively. Or I, I think this is the most likely thing. The Grizzlies are thinking not about this year coming. They're thinking about two to three years down the road. This is a long-term rebuild. This isn't something that was going to get fixed right away. And while I do think there's a window of opportunity for Memphis to be better than they, you know, most of us think they will be right now, and by that I, by no means do I mean they're going to make the playoffs, I'm talking about maybe they're 10th in the lottery or something like that. I think that's perhaps more possible than we give them credit for. It's also far more likely that they're in the – convey or not convey conversation where they're sixth or seventh for much of the season and and we're back into that conveyance debate uh around april uh this time excuse me around april in 2020 um i think that if you look at tyus his strength is exactly what you just said facilitating creating for others and protecting possessions and that will be especially valuable once this roster is constructed finally the way that they want it constructed. They're not there yet. This is not a finished product. It's not going to be a finished product for at least another year, another draft, whether it's 2020, 2021. Uh, they have multiple second-round picks to play with. They can trade up. They can trade back. They have a lot more flexibility than they've had in the past. And I think that it's important to keep that in mind. Tyus Jones is not necessarily the perfect signing for the 2019-2020 Memphis Grizzlies in the minds of the front office, Zachary Kleiman, Tayshawn Prince, and others. Tyus Jones fits what they want this roster to eventually be as a final product, which they are not near yet. Yeah, like I mentioned, the, 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 the signing is not wrong. It's just a different way to approach it. And they sure. clearly have a plan. And, and what you, like you mentioned, what you add next year, you know, what you go and do, if they go out and someone, if they, for example, the went and got Malik Beasley next year, and that would be awesome. But that, 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 this, all these, this conversation we're having now disappears because then Tyus Jones is setting someone up completely different. So it, it is, it is like you mentioned, it's a context thing. It's like it, it is not yet done. Um, and, and so what that plan evolves into will be an interesting thing to see. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more from Joe Mullenix, site manager of grizzlybearblues.com. Welcome back to the show. Joining me, Joe Mullenix, site manager of grizzlybearblues.com, talking all things grizzly. But first, Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year around. For a limited time, Postmates is giving locked on listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code locked on for $100 in free delivery. Joe, let's continue the conversation. Let's talk about Summer League. I don't know how much you were able to see of it. I watched probably more than I should have. I think you did as well. Um, anything that stood out to you? I mean, obviously, this caveat, it's Summer League, but it's the only thing we have to talk about right now. Is there anything that stood out to you that you that was that was just kind of that you didn't expect from Summer League, from any player, really? I thought the development of Yuta Wananabe was something that was really fascinating to see, and, and it's good to see from the Memphis hustle uh, perspective, you know, obviously Yuta was on the two-way contract last year. He looks like an NBA player. Like He doesn't look like somebody who should be grateful to have a two-way contract and to be in the G League. He looks like someone who, you know, the Grizzlies obviously will have some roster spots opening up in the next year or so as contracts expire. He looks like someone that once his two-way contract is done, he could be a full-time player for these Grizzlies. He could be a multi-year signee you know, kind of balling on a budget, you sign him to a three-year, $9 million contract, 
You know, that, that seems like that kind of player. That, that seems what Utah could be. John Conchar is another example, the newest uh, two-way signee for the Grizzlies. Um, he'll be spending most of his time with the hustle, just like Utah. But at the same time, he looks good. He looks like someone who can impact the game in a variety of ways, a good facilitator, a versatile defender, rebound off of the perimeter. They both, both of the two-way contract players looked really good in summer league, and I was very impressed with some of the work they did. Brandon Clark is an easy answer. I think that he's obviously even better than we thought he would be right away. Your point about it being summer league is important there. Brandon Clark's going to shoot over 50% from three in an NBA game? Probably not. But it was good to see him facilitate off of the pick and roll, pass out of that to open shooters in the corner. It was good to see him be active and cerebral defensively. The law or the rules of verticality, he obviously has pretty close to mastered that already in terms of defending the rim. Him and Jaron are going to be fun to watch in the defensive pairing in that front court when they get their opportunities this coming season. Uh, but for me, the, the two-way contract guys were the major sticking points. I was really impressed with Yuda and John in terms of their constructive play, their growth, especially in the case of Yuda, but John Contra as well. That's a guy that they went out and they targeted right as soon as the draft ended. They really wanted him, and I think that those are two guys that as other deals expire, Solomon Hill, Miles Plumley, you know, uh, there's going to be several players that will eventually step away from the Grizzlies uh, on expiring contracts, you know, instead of Memphis going and taking a swing for Jalen Brown or trying to max out somebody else who shouldn't be maxed, maybe they just emphasize developing and growing their own players within their systems, and they could bring those two guys in for relatively cheap and keep their cap options open. Other summer league guys, Grayson Allen, I would say overall disappointing. Uh, what's your thought on Grayson Allen? Now that we've seen a little bit more of him, uh, what what do you think he can be for the Grizzlies, if anything? I, I'm not so – Sure, there's anything that suggests that he's a good NBA player. That he hasn't had a lot of time there. Um, obviously, disappointing summer league. But um, do you think he can be anything for the Grizzlies this year? Or future, like long-term at all? Possibly. I, he's young. You know, that's one of the things that people have to kind of accept with this Grizzlies roster moving forward is they're young. And, and it's not like in the past where they've had young players. You know, people like to bring up Jordan Adams and, their their development's not going to be hindered by the presence of a veteran. You know what I mean? Like Grayson Allen's going to get a shot. He's going to get an opportunity, whether it's training camp, preseason games, early season games. He's going to get a chance to really kind of impress these coaches and make them say, hey, we got to get this kid on the floor because he might be a part of the future. Same thing with Josh Jackson, another troubled player, a lot more troubled in terms of the law than Grayson Allen. But there's multiple guys on this roster that whenever you're doing a rebuild, you have to have targeted calculated risk and I think Grayson Allen and Josh Jackson are examples of that those are two guys that weren't necessarily the focus of their trades you could easily argue that Allen was the least important part of the Mike Conley trade to Utah and then I think to a lesser extent you could argue that Josh Jackson was the least important part of the Phoenix Suns trade you know they needed the Kyle Korver contract they obviously liked the Anthony Melton a lot the second round picks should be valuable especially that one in 2020 in a year where Memphis may not have a first round selection uh, there's value in what they got, and Josh Jackson doesn't necessarily make or break that deal. So they're, they're taking calculated gambles. They're betting on their young core of Jaron and Ja. They're thinking that the – and I think it's a smart bet so far, as we saw in Summer League. They're betting on this young group coming together, competing well together. It may not result in a bunch of wins, but it should result in developing a culture of what it means to be a Grizzly in this post-grit-and-grind era. And 
in the case of especially Josh Jackson, but to a lesser extent Grayson Allen, you either you're either with us or you're out of there. And they both have to kind of figure out: are they going to fit in within scheme, or are they going to play the way that is going to be dictated in terms of the new culture that's being established? You know, Grayson Allen in particular, he didn't look super good for a consistent part of summer league, but at the same time, you saw flashes of what made him an intriguing prospect, whether it's his way that he disrupted the last play of the game to clinch the summer league championship. He had a step back three that he hit, you know, there's talent there. He has ability, but so many other you know things get in the way of that. And then obviously he just isn't consistent right now with what you think he should be able to do at this stage. There's levels to it. And I think that while they'll get opportunity because there's not a bunch of veterans that would take it from them, from a coaching staff, there also is going to be a line in the sand that's going to have to be drawn to where you say this guy is either a part of our long-term build or he's not. And Grayson Allen's a good example of someone who may be on the outside looking in, depending on how things shake out. It's interesting because I think you're probably mostly right on that, that this is this, but this is also probably Josh Jackson and Grayson Allen's it's probably their last chance, you know, to really impress somebody in this league. They both have options like that. There's a chance that if they just don't do anything, they can just be be done, and that should that should scare them, and they should probably, you know, understand that this this could be their last stop with the Grizzlies. Let's take another quick break. We'll come back and talk about Andre Iguodala with Joe Monitz from Welcome back to the show. Joining me today, Joe Monix, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues. If you haven't already checked out. All the stuff over at grizzlybearblues.com. Go ahead and make sure you do that. Uh, good stuff over there, as always. I want to wrap up with Andrea Godala. Obviously, he's still on the roster, still a big topic of debate here in Memphis, and get your thoughts on what the Grizzlies should do with Andrea. Are you – I think you land in the camp of you just hold on to him no matter what, um, but do, do you think there is a point where that becomes irresponsible and you just try to get what you can get? The point where it becomes irresponsible is if it inhibits you from doing business that matters down the road. Like, for example, if it if you have to waive Grayson Allen or Josh Jackson or one of those fringe types of players to keep Andre Iguodala for the sake of trying to get a first-round pick potentially at the trade deadline, I think that would be a mistake. I would just buy him out at that point and let him walk instead of letting someone who could be a valuable asset for you for the next five, six, seven years go away just to keep like the hope of a first round pick that would be the mistake that mistake would happen for another two months or so and i think that's where the grizzlies are right to put out the message that we plan on going into training camp with this guy and they are using that as a as a marketing tool they're using that as a negotiation ploy they're making it clear to the four teams that most folks agree would make the most sense for iguodala the clippers the nuggets uh, the Rockets and the Mavericks, if you want him, you can get him, but it's going to cost you something. And I don't think that they need to say first round pick or bust. I do think that there's deals out there. And Chris Harrington of the Daily Memphian outlined a couple of ideas. One with the Clippers I really liked was Jerome Robinson and Bo Harkless. No picks involved at all for Andre Iguodala. That would be a great trade for Memphis. You're getting two younger players, especially in Jerome Robinson. Uh, that fit what you're trying to do in terms of your schemes and your overall timeline, that would make a lot of sense. I would be down for that kind of a trade, and you're getting long-term players and long-term assets in exchange for Iguodala. I do think, and you make this point, and I think Omari Sankova, the athletic, does too, to say that you're letting him walk for nothing isn't true because you already got a first-round pick for Golden State. And I think that that is where 
if you head into October and you're at the roster crunch and Iguodala is still on your roster, you have to stop playing chicken and not negatively impact any young player that may have more long-term value to you than Iguodala would, and you just buy him out and you let him walk. But you're months away from that. I think the way they're handling it right now is perfectly acceptable, but they can't cut off their nose despite their face. They're doing a good job for the most part uh, of trying to find as many young and uh, future young in terms of draft picks, assets, and resources as they can. Don't spite yourself and the ones that you have already uh, taken up and, and, um, and accumulated, excuse me. Don't cut, take all that away or take parts of that away for the sake of, you know, pissing off a veteran player who is trying to, as he finishes his career, contend for a title that the Grizzlies clearly aren't doing. So I think they're right to do what they're doing right now because it's July 18th on September 18th, or especially October 18th, and the season's days from starting, that will change, and their perspective will probably have to change as well. I think you're probably right on the only fortunate. I think I think the value for – I think the – Value for Andre decreases the longer you keep him. I also think the, the where people can where you can ship him to probably decreases the longer you keep him towards the trade deadline. So it's a bit of a thing. Like you're 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 exactly right. You you have to find there's a fine line where you have to basically part with the asset and you know it, is getting a second round pick better than getting nothing. Yes, so there's a there's a certain point. There's a line you have, you got to figure out where that line is to where you're willing to go or you're willing to stay. Is it October, September, whatever that is? Like you're saying. There's a line. You got to figure that out. Where where is that line that you're willing to go to? That you're willing to be at to where you're okay with letting him walk? You know, because like you mentioned, you're not letting him walk for nothing. You've already won this deal. Anything you get from Andre Godali here and that from now on out is all gravy. And so it's interesting to see. Obviously, they should try to trade him as, as much as they can. But like you mentioned, there is a line to where you have to stay in to be able to, like you said, not sacrifice your long-term view of the team for just maybe a second round pick, maybe a first, you know, something that may or may not be of value to you. Uh, Joe, I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time out today in the middle of the day, something that we don't usually normally do because you and I both normally work into the middle of the day, but uh, that's a good summer thing to do. So I appreciate it and we'll do it again soon. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate your time as always, buddy. Talk to you soon.